This is the Water Foresight Podcast powered by the Aquilaris Group, where we anticipate, frame, and shape the future of water through strategic foresight. With us today is Dr. Virginia Richardson, who is a foresight practitioner and chair of the strategic foresight discipline in the doctoral program at Regent University. Welcome, Dr. Richardson, to the Water Foresight Podcast. Thank you for inviting me. I'm so glad to be a part of this. Well, it's a privilege to have you with us today. And Dr. Richardson, I want to start off with a very basic question. What is strategic foresight? Well, it's a great question. And it's one that um, most people associate with things like visioning and all that. And while visioning is a part of foresight, foresight in itself is a discipline. And it really is focused on planning under conditions of uncertainty. So we embrace the fact that we don't know all the answers and we use data that we can get in the external environment to help us to plan better for the future. So one of the things I say about foresight is it actually puts the strategic into planning. Without it, we tend to do things based on hindsight and planning and we, you know, we try a little bit of forecasting X percent on something is going to change over time. But as we've seen in the last few years, especially with major disruptors like pandemics, et cetera, that if you don't have a good understanding of the, the benefits of strategic foresight, you really are at a significant disadvantage. And so what we try to do is we try to accumulate knowledge under the practice of foresight to create a more intelligent strategy formation process. And we can talk more about that, but, but that's how I would, would uh, definitely describe it to begin with. Wonderful. What, if someone asked, what are the elements? What are the basic elements of the discipline of strategic foresight? What are the steps, the process? What, what does that look like? Excellent. So one of the things I want to start with is foresight is not about predicting the future. Everybody needs to get that really uh, solid in their understanding, because if we try to suggest that foresight will help a company or organization predict the future, then they're really missing the entire point of the foresight strategy formation method. So what we do with foresight and, and the way I use it is I have three steps that basically encompass a lot of sub-steps underneath them. But foresight helps us to anticipate the future and not just a single future. It helps us to anticipate multiple futures. So when you think of something like, um, let's say, if, if you decide to uh, get a degree, you would have one future, obviously, if you didn't have the degree and one future if you got a particular type of degree, but you may choose a, an altogether different degree. So that could be three different futures that you would be looking at. So this anticipation element that we use in Foresight helps us to look at the multiple uh, events that could happen on the horizon and help us to get ready for those. Once we do that, we go into the, the process of what we call framing. And so that's when we get into saying, okay, if this particular future, let's say I get a, a MBA degree, then what is the future going to look like with that? What kind of employment conditions will I have? What kind of um, 
uh, work might I do? And so you get into the specifics of framing that particular future. And then finally, the final step is the shaping. And that's really where the planning that you mentioned earlier comes in, because now we've, we've anticipated multiple futures, we framed around what each one would look like, and now we can begin the process of making decisions and strategy formation to accomplish those objectives. Interesting. It, and is it fair to say that these these futures, these possible or plausible futures, they can be both good and bad? An organization can look at both risks and opportunities. Absolutely. In fact, if we don't look at the risk, we are really missing a big part of the benefits of foresight. Because like I said, we embrace uncertainty. So we're looking at what is the worst that could happen? What is the best that can happen? And again, not from the old traditional worst case, best taste. We're looking at it from a range from best to worst or vice versa and trying to understand that we can position our organization strategically if we embrace the these, you know, unknown unknowns is what we often refer to them. Uh, for example, what do we do if we have a major dis- disruption come about and suddenly what our business model isn't even going to apply anymore to this, this disruptor that's just happened? And that's where big risk comes in and that's where a lot of companies will fail. And we've seen this over the last year with the pandemic with many business models literally unable to, s- to sustain the need to pivot very, very quickly. So, yeah, excellent. The, you know, and, and you you raised the pandemic with COVID. Um, maybe you can talk about strategic foresight through the lens of this pandemic, uh, okay. and talk about how uh, some industries, some sectors, some organizations were really hampered by the pandemic, and and others succeeded because of the pandemic. It accelerated certain trends, or uh, there may have been organizations that you've worked with that were prepared for this type of a pandemic. Maybe you can unpack some of that for us. Well, there's a lot to unpack there. So I'm going to give you just some 50-foot range type of things to consider. We have been doing what we call scenario planning for years. And I mean, we primarily, I work uh, a lot with the healthcare sector, but I work with others as well. And we were, were basically creating conditions that we expected could possibly happen. And like with a virus, it's usually, you know, very isolated to a, a local community or at best a city, that sort of thing that can be well contained and isolated. But there really wasn't a lot of work or effort or energy putting into what if it goes worldwide? Now, we know from hindsight now we will factor those things in. But when you do things like scenario planning, you can, you can accommodate for multiple conditions that can happen. And one of the things that uh, people look at is basically their vertical. What, you know, what, are they, what are they producing, the goods and service, how it would be affected, and, and that sort of thing. But you really have to look at this from all perspectives. Like in healthcare, even though they were ready uh, from a service delivery standpoint to to meet the demands, the value chain service um, chain was totally uh, make them made them vulnerable to the pandemic because things like the PPE, the respirators, um, even certain skill sets that would be more conducive to pandemic, 
really weren't there. And so that's why a lot of our health organizations have experienced a great deal of disruption, interruption, and in some cases um, have closed altogether. And if you if you can employ foresight, like one of the things, and it's funny because I've, I worked on grants in the late 90s and 2000, and we were doing telemedicine way back then. So telemedicine has been around for 20 years. But if you talk to people in healthcare, it's as if telemedicine was invented in 2020, which couldn't be further from the case. But every time I would bring that up in a um, conversation with a healthcare client, a lot of them would smile and laugh and say, oh, yeah, but then they would remind me of all the laws that prevented us from being able to cross state lines and that sort of thing. And so instead of maybe looking at those laws and trying to get some things changed, they just didn't exercise telemedicine. Well, what we're finding is not only is telemedicine a great way to deliver healthcare, but it also is a mechanism that keeps people connected to their provider in very unique ways that we could not do even a face-to-face setting. And so when we're looking at things like major disruptors, um, being able to pivot very, very quickly is a critical part of it. But looking beyond our current business model scope is just one of the most essential things. And so anybody that has a business model right now, you really do need to look at all the possibilities of the way you deliver your certain goods and services at this time. That's interesting uh, how COVID has impacted multiple sectors, especially the healthcare sector. What is the relationship between strategic foresight and the scenario planning component and the development of strategic plans that organizations typically uh, will perform? Well, the major difference with scenario development is the bringing in all of the external drivers of change and examining those drivers. I mean, like, let's say if you're in the automobile industry and you are are looking at things like autonomous cars coming on the horizon, not only do you want to look at that from what kind of cars do we want to produce, but what does that mean to insurance and our roads and our infrastructure that would need be needed to support that type of thing. So with scenario planning, you go well beyond what the, the, the organization is currently doing to look at all of the cross-sector organizations that would be affected by certain scenarios. And you can even test organizational strategies against these scenarios. So if, if everything goes autonomous and car ownership isn't a thing that we can, um, let's just say that we don't have car ownership anymore, then what does that look like? And if I'm an automobile company, how do I survive in that condition when I no longer have direct-to-consumer purchasing of cars and now it's more maybe fleets of cars for government entities or uh, transport uh, organizations? How does the business model shift based on that? Does a car design need to be completely different? So with scenario planning, you go well beyond traditional strategy formation. And you, you, you basically not only look at those drivers of change in the conditions, but you also look at what to what degree do we know is likely to happen and where are those unknown factors that 
uh, could happen and they may seem so far out there, but if they happen, they're going to have a major impact on the organization. We call those things wild cards. And so these kinds of terms and these kinds of approaches to strategy formation are much richer. They take longer and they provide the organization with information and conversations to really prepare that organization in ways that traditional strategy formation just just doesn't provide for us at this time. That's interesting. You you touched on a number of different issues. Uh, let me ask you this. It seems that as part of this strategic foresight uh, discipline, you're able to identify some of the perhaps unintended consequences of certain scenarios, outcomes, et cetera. Can you explain explain that further? So we 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 begin by looking at what's going on outside of the organization. And sometimes we think, oh, it has nothing to do with us, right? And so we don't typically, we wouldn't factor that into our thinking process when we're doing our just traditional strategic planning efforts. But when we start to ask ourselves to really take a look at these things going on, um, AI is probably the best example. And AI is very much a part of our current daily life, but it is also exclusive to those organizations that embraced AI 5, 10, 15 years ago. Now companies are starting to realize that they may actually be replaced completely through AI initiatives. I'm, I'm, I, even in healthcare, primary care in many ways will be at least fully supported by AI, if not replaced by AI. And so when you get into this, this uncertainty element, you know, if you're a healthcare provider and you say, oh, AI is going to help us with our data and it's going to help us um, with our service delivery, but we're not looking at, what well, could it replace us? then that's the unknowns that you really do want to look at. Because if the question could even remotely be a possibility, if you can start today to look at that, then you can pivot, re-align re, um, the organization, the business model, et cetera, to embrace it or to at least be prepared for it. doesn't even need, you don't even need to agree with it because in some cases, these advancing technologies are going to come whether we like it or not. And I'm not saying to have a doom and gloom attitude about it. What I'm saying is that there are ways to leverage these changes to the, the preferred future that you're looking for as an organization. And that's where looking at these unknowns really come into play. And that's where the, the skills and foresight are so critically necessary because, quite frankly, not a lot of people know how to do that. And even when they're taught how to do it, um, they're taught usually in a, a very, you know, limited time set. And they don't really have, you know, years and years and years of looking at unknowns from multiple perspectives in multiple industries. Yeah, excellent answer. I, I think for those of us in the water sector, uh, the pandemic has presented certain uh, perhaps unintended consequences from the financial aspect, uh, as well as the uh, service aspect, where if people are not going into town to work, how are the water consumption patterns changing? Uh, between different customers, and then certainly financially, 
How are people paying their bills or not paying their bills? And what are the unintended consequences of a pandemic on service level uh, for customers? Dr. Richardson, tell us a few other, uh, I guess, examples of how you have practiced strategic foresight for your clients and some of the lessons that you've learned uh, through your efforts. Oh, it's it's a lot of variety here, and I, I don't want to hang completely out in the healthcare space. Um, education would be another great example, and again, the pandemic. Uh, those of us in the field of foresight, when we we when the the pandemic happened last year, one of the things we all agreed that it didn't really uh, it didn't really create new problems; it exacerbated or expanded or uh, basically brought things out into the open where current vulnerabilities existed. And I can remember years and years ago when I was looking to get my doctoral degree. And one of the things I knew because of the work I do, um, I'm all over the place, travel all the time. And I needed to be able to get a doctorate degree that could be mobile. And so getting a degree online made a lot of sense, but there were a lot of people out there offering degrees that are real more paper mills and they weren't legitimate degrees. And so I had to do a lot of research with that. But still yet, uh, people, when I would tell people, this is what I'm going to do, they thought I was crazy. You can't get a doctorate degree online. You know, it's just like, you know, and I'm, I'm literally talking, what, 17, 18 years ago, something like that. Actually, probably closer to 20. But anyway, so, so my whole point is, is that it made sense to me. I got a phenomenal degree. I now teach in that program, as you mentioned. And one of the things that we saw was this, this ability during the pandemic to either embrace uh, virtual education or not. And the, the organizations that had robust virtual organizations set up. In other words, they had the learning management system. They had trained uh, professors that could offer the education, and they had ways of connecting with students virtually that were as good or better than even in-person classrooms. And I'm talking about like in-person classrooms with 500 students. It's, it's, it's not very personal. Whereas when you are in a virtual environment, you can make it very, very personal, even with a very large group of students. And so truly, one of the things that that I've seen, and, and your example with water is, is a good one, is that when we use foresight, we can, we can accommodate for these major disruptors. And with education, like this going from no brick and mortar, like who would have imagined that? And even we in the foresight world weren't doing scenarios based on never being in a classroom, you know, live brick and mortar classroom. But we did know that the virtual was a big part of the future. And so we were trying to work with organizations to go in that direction. And the ones that did are the ones that have actually grown in their student population, while those that were late to the pivot or weren't able to pivot very well have seen student decline as much as 40, 50%, and some are actually closing their doors. So with water, um, you have to do the same thing. So uh, and, and, and you know this, Matt, better than I do, but, you know, there are times when the whole infrastructure could be uh, jeopardized. 
you know, the, we know that water is not just about the flow of water, you know, from, from the reservoir to the household or to the business, but there's lots of pieces in between there that can become a major problem like rusty pipes or a polluted water supply or that kind of thing. And foresight helps, you know, local communities uh, helps the states, helps the the national organizations, uh, even even the legislatures become more aware of how to support infrastructures and ways to pivot infrastructures should major major events happen. So the the truth of it is 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 what I do with my work is work directly with clients, whatever the whatever type of organization they are. And, and I don't go in and say, oh, let's do a bunch of foresight because I don't know what foresight is to begin with. So that's, that's not how I approach the process. But what I try to do is I try to get them under, um, in, into some kind of understanding that there are ways that we can do what we're doing much better in the way that we're preparing for the future and take them through an engagement that will help them to see things they've never even considered before. And again, this isn't about being prophetic. It's not about predicting. It's just laying out, here's where things are likely to be going. And what would we do if it goes in these directions? And from there, most of the clients get very excited because they see this as a competitive advantage. They see this as, in some cases, I've had clients say, this is going to save our company because we now know we were worried about a few things. Now we know we can actually factor those things in and make changes Mm. to our business model and go in different directions. And that's what I do is I work on that business model side of the equation. Yeah. Well, in in summary, Dr. Richardson, if someone were to ask you to make the case for strategic foresight uh, as a, uh, I'll use the word uh, that you use, the competitive advantage for organizations, what is the value of strategic foresight for organizations? Um, What would the CEO want to know about deploying the discipline of strategic foresight? Foresight helps us to prepare today for the things that are likely to be coming on the horizon in ways that traditional strategy formation just falls very, very short. It it takes our focus away from just looking inside of the organization to the external environment and asking ourselves, are we keeping up with the changing conditions, the societal changes, the, the infrastructure changes, the new advances, innovations, and that sort of thing. And if so, to what degree are we we able to keep up with it? Are we tuning into these things as often as we need to? And then the second question is, if we're doing that, if we're paying attention, we're bringing in that information, do we have a good way of carrying that information across the organization? Or are we just putting it in certain departments and, you know, keeping that information exclusive to them. And, you know, we really need to have it filter all the way through the entire organization. And then finally, do we have a way that we're using strategic foresight for decision-making and strategy formation? If we can do those things, the key benefit becomes we can be ready for much more than we currently are today. And we can account for ways that we can shift our business model 
much more quickly. And we can leverage opportunities much earlier because we are focused in on these elements that we may not have paid attention to before. So I'm a huge fan of foresight, obviously, but I will say when people get introduced to foresight, they realize that this this is almost the missing link that most companies have been looking for. They wanted some way to better prepare for the future. And they thought they were doing it with planning, but they were missing key ingredients. It's like it's it's like baking a cake and, and not having basic elements within that cake and hoping the cake <laughs> will actually bake anyway. And yeah. so Foresight really provides all of those elements that you need to move things um, and to be prepared for the future better. Wonderful. Well, Dr. Richardson, I want to thank you for your time today. Uh, very insightful. Strategic foresight is a, is a discipline that should be a priority for all organizations seeking to anticipate, frame, and shape preferred futures. Dr. Richardson, thank you for your time. And, and for our listeners, how can they uh, reach you on social media or you have a website? Let us know what that is. Um, the best way, uh, you can go to my website, which is the foresightcenter.com, and that's foresight spelled out like the word. Um, uh, the same is true for Facebook and LinkedIn, et cetera. Thank you for listening to the Water Foresight Podcast, powered by the Aqualaris Group. For more information, please visit us at aqualaris.com or follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter.